It is good to see everybody here this morning. Some of you are back off of a vacation or a trip, and the ones that aren't here are on a vacation or a trip. Lisa and Homer are on a cruise. Their last name is Cruise. So they have a, a disease called cruisitis. And uh, we hope that they're enjoying themselves. But I know that they're miserable without us on the cruise ship with them. And I'm sure they're watching as they look at the ocean right now. Thanksgiving is getting closer and we start a new series today and hopefully you're thankful all year round. But the, uh, the new series is entitled, Tell Me Your Story. Tell me your story. And what I want to do is kind of, as we've come out of the series, Divine Destiny, and, and really coming to the conclusion through the Word of God that He has a good plan for us, a, a future. Now, now, this morning, as we get into Tell Me Your Story, I, I want you, just in the next few weeks, we're going to do some different things, a little bit different than we have in, in the last series. And what, what I'm going to ask you to do is, as I'm preaching, well, not as I'm preaching, later, <laughs> to formulate in just a few words, you know, just a few minutes, your story. Because chances are you've been to a place where God has brought you from and now as you look back on that, you're amazed of how God has brought you there. You know, uh, the, the Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. That, that doesn't sound like flip a coin and well, maybe, maybe not. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, and it goes on to say, you're not going to be able to do anything when you're dead. So today, do it with everything that you have. Everybody loves somebody with passion. Somebody that, that is out there and excited and they're just uh, fired up. Did anybody ever watch Crocodile Hunter before he passed away? I mean, was well, I don't think you've seen him after he passed away, but, but the fact is that he was passionate, and he would hold this snake up and stuff, and you'd go, good, what's he doing? But he was passionate, and his audience began to grow. And it's the same thing with your life as you tell your story about what God has done in your life. It's an amazing testimony how somebody around you can begin to be influenced by the goodness of God just by telling your story. As I've already said through the communion time of how many uh, people that are in our life influences us, influences us without negative. And, and we, the positive, we kind of try to kind of gravitate to because if we're not careful, we kind of get in agreement with all the negative. But there's something about somebody that's positive and, and telling the story of how God has changed their life that really you're being a witness. You're not an attorney trying to you know, twist somebody's arm. You will serve God. Sinner! <laughs> but what you're doing is you're witnessing. You're just telling them your story. And what I found out is you might not be able to 
quote huge passages of Scripture or you know, tell the person you're talking to where that verse is found. But I do know one thing, that you're an expert on your story. And when you tell somebody your story, there's something that comes alive and you begin to hear the faith build up inside of you. You know what I found out is when we get involved in doing something for God, there's usually a lot of different characteristics that go involved into that person or that group of people. I think that there's three groups of people that could be considered here today. First, the doubting person. The the person that feels like you know they couldn't really tell their story because they really don't have anything that is considerably outstanding in their life. They never could say they raised someone from the dead or healed blinded eyes. And, and so they kind of doubt, well, does anybody even care about my story? Maybe, maybe there's some people here that are worriers. That if they got involved in telling somebody their story, that they think, that guy's crazy. Today in our class earlier, somebody said that, uh, that they were talking about the goodness of God and, and somebody came and said, you can't talk about God in the, in the workplace. And he said, yes, I can. And he just shared the goodness of God. Maybe this morning you could even consider yourself in a place that you're comfortable. And being comfortable, there's a, there's a sense of not needing to rely on God. And if you're, if you're comfortable in, in the surroundings that you are in, but there's people that don't know God, there might be something, there is something wrong if you're not telling your story. But the truth of the matter is you're comfortable in where you're at, so you don't, you don't want to make any ripples in the pond, so to speak, or you don't, want to, you don't want to say anything that would make you uncomfortable of just telling your story. This morning I want to talk about Moses. And, and you know the story if you've been in church a while, but if you haven't, let me remind those that have and those that haven't that here's Moses and he gets to a place in his life, but he's unwilling to actually step into the place of being used of God. Of course, not a lot of us in our lives have been asked to lead a possible three million people into the wilderness and then into the promised land. But here's a man that he gives God four excuses. And and I want you to kind of see if one of these excuses could apply to you. The first one is, who am I? I I love God because he comes back with the answer to all these excuses. Moses thinks, who am I to be able to do something like that? And God says, it's not you, it's me. Don't you love that speech? It's not you. It's me. <laughs> and, and through me, you're going to see my power work. And, and it goes on. The second one says, I won't know what to say, God. And God says, you know what? I'll tell you what to say. The third excuse is, He tells God, the people, they won't listen to me. God says, oh yeah, they will when they see my power working through you. And then the fourth excuse, I can't speak very well. And again, God responds by saying, I'm going to speak through you. 
Really the sum of all those statements, God says it's, it's not all the things and the problems that we can come up with, but through Him, if we allow Him to work through faith, He's going to come through for us. But it's in taking that first step of faith that we go, God, are you sure? And I want to encourage you this morning to take that step. I want to challenge you to begin to write down, again, I'm not talking about an hour, corner someone at the grocery store, can I just talk to you for an hour? (laughs) But I want to challenge you to begin to think of your story and to be able to share it with somebody and to participate in what God has for us. Here's Moses and he starts out, as a doubter, and definitely in the first steps of his life, he's nervous, just like you and I would be in, in participating and in, in telling somebody our story and to, to actually say this is what God's done for me and what I've seen God do. Can you imagine how nervous he is? And, and, and this morning, I, I want you just again hear the story of Exodus chapter 4. Now, do we have Exodus chapter 4 up here? Let me, let me read it to you. Would you read with me? Just Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Is that a, an possible thing that they could say? Hello? I mean, think about it. If you're Moses, is that something that you would think of that they would say to the people? Sure. Verse 2, then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And he ran from it. Can you see that happen? Anybody with him on that? Where's your back door? We don't have a back door. Where do you want one? Verse 4, then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Do what? So Moses reached out and took hold. <sighs> Anybody getting creepy already? Damn, by the tail. Probably one of his first acts of faith right there, just taking the snake by the tail. And take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into, the, into a staff in his hand. Verse 5, this, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Next slide. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand in his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak. Did anybody think that he had trouble putting it back in it? No, no. He said, so Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. Don't you think they would have believed the second? Verse 9, but if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have 
spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Don't you love that? He puts the trump card on him. And who do you, who do you think I am? You better call someone, Moses. Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives the sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But, there's always that, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send somebody else. Is anybody here today saying that? Don't answer. Verse 14, Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. I, I love that because he's, he's coming in his mind thinking, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know. I will teach you what to do. Verse 16, he will speak to the people for you and it will be as if, if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take the staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. Then Moses went back to Jethro's father-in-law. It'd be great to have a Jethro as a father-in-law, but that's another story. And said to him, let me return to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. Jethro said, go and I wish you well. Now the Lord had said to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt for all those who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hand. Father, today, as God, you, you preach through me. God, I pray that you would use me to communicate the truths of we, your children, participating in your kingdom. The God that we get into the game, we get off of the sideline, or we get out of the stands. And Father, we tell the story of the goodness that you have in our life. In your name we pray. Amen. I want you to focus on, after the third excuse, God asked Moses simply this question. Ready? What is in your hand? What is in your hand, Moses? He could have looked and he could have said, well, this is just a stick. This is just something that I've always had. It's not very uh, very important. It's just something that kind of is the style of the day of carrying. You know, I kind of had it and I kind of carved this out. It, it's not much. And through this F this morning, I want you to see how God begins to use Something that the person that is being asked to be used of God, he thinks it's nothing important. It's something that has just always been here. It's in my hand. I probably need another one eventually. It's not that big a deal. But in this passage of Scripture, I want you to see it's untapped potential that God's going to point out in his life that he's going to use. I love that whole part about throw it on the ground and it turns into a snake. And he says, the reason why this is going to happen as a sign to the people is that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, has appeared to you. 
Now this morning, I want you to see that parallel in your life. When we take what we have and we use it for God, people begins, begin to see us and who we are through God, and God gets the glory. In John chapter 15, the reason why we bear fruit is that men will see our good deeds and give the Father glory. Let me give you three just observations out of this passage, and I want you to... I really want, in people's lives this morning, a change of behavior. Because as I preach this morning, you might be going this way saying, God, I just really, I'm just, I'm not all the... And, and there's a lot of reasons of people speaking over your life or whatever it might be that it's caused you to be there. But this morning, I want to give you three really changes of behavior. And, and the first one kind of gets us to the point is, what is nothing to us is something to God. Now, now hear me on this, because this is something that, if, if you've been in church, you might have heard something like this in a sermon before, and you yeah, yeah. But, but there's something that you might be missing in your life that God is saying, you don't see it, but I see it. Here's just a staff, a stick. But in God's hands, it's going to be used to show His goodness and His power. Think about it. it that staff will eventually, in verse 7 through 12, confront soothsayers of Pharaoh. They're wise men. The enemy's wise men. And here comes Moses with one stick, one staff, and all of a sudden it begins to go boom over those guys. I, I love the story, and if you didn't read it, you can read it later. But he throws down his snake or staff and it turns into snake. They throw down their sticks and somehow it turns into snakes. But Moses' staff that turned into snake eats those snakes. Next. I love the snake of God. It'll eventually turn waters of Egypt into blood. It'll bring frogs upon the land. It causes lice to come throughout the land. It'll bring thunder and hell throughout the land. It'll bring a wind that'll blow locusts across the land. It'll, it'll part the Red Sea to stand up as we talked about last week as a wall. A lot of times this is not observed, but it will also cause, because of the power of God, that the bottom of the sea to dry up so God's people can walk across it on dry land. See, we, we think, wow, there's a highway through the sea. But, but if you've walked lately outside, you find out that it's hard to walk in mud. <laughs> Yesterday we were digging the trench that's going to put the drive-through speaker in and, and heath. We hit, a, we hit an irrigation line. I hit it because I was doing the trencher. I only hit it three times. Doom, doom, doom. So, I mean, water was spraying up and he stepped across and sunk down to his ankle. And he became a ballerina. Hey, 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 help me, help me, help me. And as you see, he's always got a physique of a ballerina. Anyway, if you realize that here it is in the middle of the story that a miracle takes place and just goes over people's that the ground is even dry that they walk on. 
it again will be used to defeat Pharaoh's armies because the water comes back down by the the staff. Also, he will bring water from the rock. It'll also bring victory to the armies of God. Over and over we see that God uses that staff. And think how Moses looked at it before all these things. It's just a stick, just a staff. Let me ask you, when I challenged you to tell your story, could you look at your life and what God's done in your life just like He looked at the staff? What's in your hand? What's in your life that God has done and showed you and brought you through? I'm not talking about, again, having some supernatural miracle. You might. But to realize that what's in your life right now, what's in your hand, can provide a breakthrough in somebody's life that would never, ever have a breakthrough without you telling your story. When you think about Miriam, Moses' sister, and all she had was a tambourine, but after going through on dry land, she used that and the whole congregation worshipped. When you think about Hannah, all she had was a small child called Samuel that she gave to the the God of the universe that changed the people of Israel. All the widow in the story had was just enough food for one more meal, but she gave it to God and it provided for her. Mary just had a little perfume in a bottle that she broke and poured it over Christ as an anointing. The little boy that only had just a little sack lunch. How in the world could God ever use that? He was in the right place at the right time and he was willing to use what he had in his hand. All the widow had was two small coins, but she gave it to God. And the Bible says that story will be told of her from now on. And it has been. All they had was just a little this in their hand, but they were willing to use it. Now let me tell you and remind you of something that all of us might say amen to. But sometimes we lose grip of realizing that we serve the God of the impossible. What do you have in your hand? All of us, again, have the ability to say that we have the Word of God in our life and the the ability to build a relationship with God through prayer and and spending time and, and the ability to see God move in our life, our material possessions. But what God has given you is your testimony. And what's so amazing about that is once you begin to actually think about what God has done, and and I'm just going to challenge you even to go further and write it down so that you can read it and then see it. Oh, this is going to be fun. Because there's going to be people that will tell their story for the first time in the next few weeks. And they'll begin to see God using them. And and let me tell you, it, it becomes addictive. It be, do you remember when Jesus was at the, the, the woman at the well when, when he was testifying and telling her who she, he was and, and her life was changed and the disciples come and bring him food? And he goes, I've already ate. I'm already full. Because he had told his story. And the same thing with us. When we begin to see God, it's so fulfilling when God works through us.
Let me give you the second observation. Here is Moses and he becomes available. And availability is the key. What has God made available in your life? As soon as Moses began to think, okay, what I have isn't much, but God says that he'll help me. And as soon as he releases it, all of a sudden we begin seeing the miracles that I just read to you. What would have happened if he wouldn't have? Maybe a nation would have still stayed in slavery. We don't know. Maybe thousands of people would have died. We don't know. Now, here's what I know. Is when I say maybe a thousand people or thousands of people would have died, we go, ooh, that would have been awful. But what if you would have been the one that would have died because of his unfaithfulness and unavailable ability to say, I'll be used of you, God. And and this morning, I want you to see it because if there's not kind of a sense of urgency in our lives, if we do not have a passionate for the lost in this world, if we do not see people that are going to die without God and go to hell, huh? the world we live in, that's politically incorrect. Have you ever thought why that's politically incorrect? If you were the enemy, wouldn't you love to quiet the mouths of Christians? This morning, being available opens up God's doors of opportunity for people to be able to experience things in their marriage in their finances, in their health, raising their children, not being offended by everything that comes down the pike. All those things that we've enjoyed that sometimes we don't think are even that that big a thing because some of us have been raised in church and some of us have been to church long enough that we've been able to be taught these things. But until Moses became available, and just like us, until we become available to be used of God, to be able to share the goodness of God in our story, we'll never see it. And people will never be changed. You know, Gwen and I were blessed to go on our 30th wedding anniversary and our 25-year anniversary here at the church to, to Europe. And, and I love dropping it around my, sister, uh, my daughter, not sister, my daughter, you know what this reminds me of? Sitting on the Seine River in Paris, you know, or something like that. And she goes, oh. We went to the Sistine Chapel. Yeah. And, and we're looking at the roof, and it's beautiful. Michelangelo, how he painted that on his back. Do you, do you realize that they asked him to do that? And he was like, I've never done that. I'm not doing that until they convinced him through a necessity that, yeah, you are doing it. When we were looking at that painting, it's like it's still so vivid a color and just beautiful. What is in your life that if you become available to be used of God, that we'll begin to see things that we've never saw before? It's only impossible when we allow God to work in our lives. Let me just say this. I want to get to the third point. And this is it. If we make available what is in our hand, it becomes God's. Now, let me prove that. I love Exodus 4, verse 20. Let me read it again. 
This is at the end of all that passage that I just read. It says, So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and started back to Egypt. And he took what? His staff? The staff of God. In his hand. He took the staff of God in his hand. He doesn't know all the things that God's going to do through the power of that symbol in his hand. But this morning it goes without saying that it, what's in your hand is, is going to be able to tell your story in a way that only you can tell it. You know as well as me, when I get up here and I start telling about the, the things that God has brought us through as a church, oh, let me tell you, I can tell that story because I, I witnessed it. I was there. When I think, you know, how are we going to pay for this and this and someone shows up out of the blue and goes, hey, do you, Do you want $7,500? Let me think about that. Yes. Because they were cutting off three feet of our property and 300 feet long, they gave us $7,500 to be able to pay for a lot of the music equipment that we use, the hearback systems and the monitors. And I tell the story, and I, let me tell you, I'm almost... Sliding into that story right now, I can't tell you because we don't have time. But I love telling that story. The other day, with us building the coffee shop and us getting our certificate of occupancy this week. Yeah. Let, let, let's say thank you to God without the golf applause. Yay. Let's go. Yay. Are you ready? Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To realize that we started building the coffee shop before we even knew where we were going to get a coffee, where the coffee was coming from. And if you know that the process has happened where God is just boom, 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 boom. And so we're buying coffee from Honduras as one place as an a, a orphanage that, or a children's home that is providing the coffee and we're able to bless them. Well, but you know, we, we didn't even know that until we started, until we were able to be available, use what it, we had. But, but what's amazing is it's not even told yet of all the things that God is going to unleash in our favor because we're available. And that when we've released it, now it becomes God's. Watch this. It was last week or the week before that the, the, the uh, vice president of World Gospel Outreach, that's where we went on our missions trip, he, the, the title is uh, Vice President of Partner Relationships. And, and he tries to get people to support the children in the orphanage and so forth. And, and so they've got about 18,000 pounds of coffee that that orphanage or that farm produces. It's a specialty coffee and it's organic and it's shade grown and it's mile high, all the good stuff. And he comes and he says, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take all the coffee off the market, except for you guys, because we, we want you to buy it. And he says, what we're going to do is we're going to give anybody that partners with that you know the ministry we're going to give them a pound of coffee and and they can they're the only ones that can buy coffee off of our website since you guys are roasting the coffee for your coffee shop and, and ministry and selling it to churches and stuff 
we just we're just wondering if you would pray about distributing all the coffee from the WGO ministry. Would you would you pray about that? And I said, <laughs> yes, we will. I've already been praying about that. Really? You would do that? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Is when, when you begin to say, God, I can't do it, I can't do it, it holds back all the things that God is trying to release into your favor. Tell me your story. You know, I read a story about the Milam Cathedral. And when it was finished, they were kind of having their dedication service, kind of like what we did last Sunday. And a little girl yells out in the crowd, I helped build that. And one of the guards said, show me what you built. And she said, well, I brought the lunch pail to my father every day. And he worked right up there. I took part in this too. This morning, sometimes the little, the little things have such a ripple effect that keep going. This morning, I want you to read something of an illustration that when I read it, I've read it and I've shared it with you some time ago, but again, it reminds us of just telling your story. To being able to do something for God that God will be able to show His power through you. Listen to this. A man was driving down a road and he almost didn't see the older lady stranded on the side of the road. But even in the dim light of day, he could see she needed help. So he pulled up in front of the Mercedes and got out. His Pontiac was still sputtering when he approached her. Even with a smile on his face, she was worried. No one had stopped to help for the last hour or so. Was he going to hurt her? He didn't look safe. He looked poor and hungry. He could see that she was frightened standing out there in the cold. He knew how she felt. It was that chill which only fear can put inside of a person. He said, Hey, I'm here to help you, ma'am. Why don't you wait in the car where it's warm? By the way, my name is Brian. Well, all she had was a flat tire, but for an older lady, that was bad enough. Brian crawled under the car, looking for a place to put the jack, skinning his knuckles a time or two, and then soon he was able to change the tire, but he had to get dirty and his hands hurt. As he was tightening up the lug nuts, she rolled down the window and began to talk to him. She told him that she was from St. Louis and was only just passing through. She couldn't thank him enough for coming to her aid. Brian just smiled as he closed the trunk, and she asked him how much she owed him. Any amount would have been all right with her. She had already imagined all the awful things that could have happened to her out there in the dark. Brian never thought twice about the money. This was not a job to him. This was helping someone in need. And God knows there was plenty who had given him a hand in the past. He told her that if she really wanted to help, pay him back. The next time she saw someone in need, help. 
she could give that person assistance they needed. And Brian asked, and think of me when you do it. He waited until she started her car and drove off. It had been a cold and depressing day. But he felt good as he headed for home, disappearing into the twilight. A few miles down the road, the lady saw a small cafe. She went in to grab a bite to eat and and to take home. It was dingy looking. Outside, there was two old gas pumps, and the whole scene was unfamiliar to her. The cash register was like the telephone of an out-of-work actor. It didn't ring much. Her waitress came over and brought her a clean towel to wipe her wet hair. She had a sweet smile, one that even being on her feet for a whole day, couldn't erase. The lady noticed that the waitress was nearly eight months pregnant, but she never let the strain and aches change her attitude. The older lady wondered how someone who had so little could be so generous to a stranger. Then she remembered Brian. After the lady finished her meal, and the rate the waitress went to get change for the $100 bill, the lady, sl- the lady slipped right out the door. She was gone by the time the waitress came back, and she wondered where the lady could be. And then she noticed something written on a napkin under which was four $100 bills. There were tears in her eyes when she read what the lady wrote. It said, you don't owe me anything. I've been there too. Somebody once helped me out the way I'm helping you. If you really want to pay me back, here's what you do. Do not let this chain of love end with you. Well, there were tables to clear and sugar bowls to fill and people to serve. But the waitress made it through another day. The night... When she got home from work and climbed into bed, she was thinking about the money and what the lady had written. How could the lady have known how much she and her husband needed it? With the baby due next month, it was going to be hard. She knew how worried her husband was. And he lay sleeping next to her. She gave him a soft kiss and whispered soft and low, Everything's going to be all right. I love you, Brian. This morning, somebody's in your life that is desperately needing the story that lives within you of the goodness of God. This morning, as we start this new series, I want you to begin thinking of what God's done in your life. What will happen is you'll become thankful. You'll begin to say, God, thank you for all the things that I I maybe doubted you or worried about. Or God, that I thought I was just comfortable with. But God, you, you challenged me to get out of my comfort zone. God, there's people in my life that wouldn't have been there without you. 
And this morning, I'm going to encourage you to believe the ripple effect of telling your story that will help somebody else realize how much God loves them. Would you just bow your heads just for a few minutes? This morning, right where you're at, maybe you've never made a commitment to God, and you're saying, Pastor, I, I really... I really don't have a story because I really haven't even made a commitment to, to see God work in my life. This morning, if you're here and you've never made a commitment to God, I just want to encourage you to say, God, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And the truth of the matter is, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So in saying that, you, you, you're among people that have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the Bible says the gift that God gives us is the gift of eternal life. That The love that He's given us by dying on the cross for us gives us the opportunity to ask for forgiveness. And therefore, when we do that, our story begins. It's a rebirth to be born again. To have the assurance that we'll spend eternity with Him. And this morning, if you're here and you've never made a commitment to God, it's a decision that you'll have to make. It's not the finish line, but the starting line of your eternal life. This morning, as I pray, I'm going to encourage you to just pray with me, just right where you're at. And if you're interested in becoming a believer, putting your faith in God, that you'll do that right now. Father, I thank you so much for what you've done in our life. And Father, you have promised us that God, that you'll forgive us of our sins. God, that we'll become clean. God, that that doesn't mean that we're perfect. But God, that we're redeemed, we're restored, we're brought back. To God, what you originally intended for us, a relationship with you. And Father, I pray for my friends that are here today, that God, that they would take this day, November the 4th, 2018, as a fresh start in their life. And Father, that their story would begin. And Father, that they would be able to share that story with somebody that around, that's around them. And Father, their life would be changed. And then, Father, that person would begin to not break the chain, but God, that they would tell their story and somebody's life would be changed. And Father, today we know that as we believe that God, that we'll be with you for eternity, that God, that there'll be people in heaven. God, that, that we could say that we're almost spiritual grandparents or great-grandparents because people that will follow us have been changed, that somebody that follows them will be changed because, God, your children just told the story of how our God is a good God, a God full of mercy and grace, a God that gives us the ability to be overcomers in a world to be positive thinkers and, and confess good things instead of being in a dark, depressed world. The God that you give us hope and a future.
And God, you have a destiny for us. And we thank you. This morning, we love you, God. In your wonderful name, we pray. Amen.